we are going to continue our series looking at the book of uh, Philippians, which will be, uh, I'm just really, really uh, delighted in. Um, if you've got your Bible, the last couple of weeks what we've done is we have uh, read the Bible passage in a number of different languages. It wasn't something that we really planned, uh, trust me, but it was just something that happened and then we did it one week and then the next week somebody else did it and then the next week somebody else did it. So, should we, okay, well, let's do a practical vote. Should we carry on reading it in a different language? Hands up for yes. Hands up for no. Well, okay, you're not going to, nobody's going to say no, are they? Honestly, to... So that, okay, so the next thing is, what language shall we, shall we do it in this morning? We've had a Nigerian language, I think it was Ibu, was it, we did it in? Uh, we did it in the Filipino language, and we did it in one other language. What other language should we do it in this morning? Turkish. Alav, who's saying, could you do it in Turkish for us? Yeah, one of you, okay, fantastic, okay. So here we're going to have uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2. Can I just say also, if my... If I'm speaking either really loudly or really quietly, forgive me, my ears are completely blocked. I don't really, I can't hear very much at all, so I can't quite gauge that. Um, Alibi, okay? Yeah. Okay, okay. so uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 12 uh, to 18. And could we have somebody who could read it in English as well? Oh, you need a microphone. Anybody? Be really up to Edie. Michelle, could you read it for us in English? Uh, 12 to 18, yeah. Is that okay, Michelle? Shall we take, repeat the verse, shall we? Uh, yeah, Philippians chapter 2, yeah. verses 12 to 18. In, in fact, actually, Michelle, could you do it in the NIV? Michelle, isn't it? It's not her phone. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah okay. Can I yeah. Öyleyse sevgili kardeşlerim, her zaman söz dinlediğiniz gibi yalnız ben aranızdayken değil ama şimdi yokluğumda kurtulmuşluğunuzu saygı ve korkuyla sonuca götürmek için daha çok gayret edin. Çünkü kendisini hoşnut edeni hem istemeniz hem de yapmanız için sizde yetkin olan Tanrı'dır. Her şeyi söylemeden ve çekişmeden yapın ki yaşam sözüne sımsıkı sarılarak aralarında evrendeki yıldızlar gibi parladığınız bu eğri ve sapı kuşağın ortasında kusursuz ve saf Tanrı'nın lekesiz çocukları olasınız. Öyle ki boşuna koşmadığımı, boşuna emek vermediğimi görerek Mesih'in önünde övünerek bir nedenim olsun. Kanım imanınızın sunusu ve hizmeti üzerine adak şarabı gibi dökülecek olsa da seviniyor, kalbinizin sevincine katılıyorum. Aynı şekilde siz de sevinin ve benim sevincime katılın. Very good, thank you. That's amazing. Can I just say, were you reading that really quickly or was that just normal speed? Yeah, it's normal speed. Okay, <laughs> that was amazing. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic, thank you. Okay, Michelle, English, normal speed. Okay, do everything without grumbling. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. 
But even if, I, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Brilliant. Thanks, Michelle. I have just so uh, enjoyed getting into the book of Philippians. And so we're going to continue just to try and unpack a few verses from the, this passage. But just to say, first of all, when we have different people coming in reading in different languages... There's an intentionality about that, that we do want to be a church of many different nations and cultures and languages and nationalities. And it's something that we really do uh, want to celebrate. Uh, yesterday, uh, Jill and I went to see some friends uh, down near Winchester. They're friends that we met years and years ago in the church in Wimbledon. And um, we went to see them, but... I would say that, that this one couple really have been on, an, on a difficult journey of faith, that they used to be on fire for God, but now they are not. And we were sitting in, the, in their kitchen, uh, standing in their kitchen, and they have uh, a girl that is living with them, and, and I'd never met her before, so I just went and said hello to her, and then I said, oh, wh why don't... I said to my friend, you know, been friends for, for a long, long, long time. I said, oh, why don't you tell this girl what I do? Because I was quite interested to see how he would describe my job. And he said, well, what Duncan does is 90% nonsense and 10% help the community. That's the, sort of that's the sort of guy he is. He's just quite, he's quite confrontational in his, in his, like, in his friendship. <laughs> I have like so many friends that love Jesus around me. And when Jerry said that there are, you know you have 10 people around you that influence you, there came a point actually when I decided we, we couldn't let that guy influence us too much more. But I still wanted to keep him as a friend. But this passage really speaks into that situation there. And I don't know how you have felt post-pandemic, how you have done in your faith. But did you know that there are many, many churches that have just profoundly struggled after the pandemic? Because people have struggled in their faith. They've struggled to meet together. They've struggled to find community. And once some of those patterns are broken, it, it takes quite a long time to rebuild them. And actually, I am very, very grateful, in fact, that in the church here, there was quite a lot of encouragement to do whatever we could to keep meeting through the pandemic. Whatever we could that was legally possible <laughs> that we could do to keep meeting. So when it said that you can have a technical team to help you run Sundays, to stream your Sundays online, guess what? We had quite a large technical team. <laughs> we had quite a large team of people that would... would do. So we, we obeyed all the regulations. We obeyed everything that we had to do. And I remember sitting in the centre and there was like snow outside, literally snow like this outside, and all the doors and all the windows were open because we had to have air blowing. And we were sitting there like shivering away. But you know what? We, we, kept, we kept doing something together, and I'm very, very grateful. But people struggled, and people are still struggling. 
with what it means to be a Christian and be isolated. And this passage is the one passage that we should be going back to again and again and again because it's basically saying this, keep going. And explains, not only, not only does it say, like, keep going, but it says, come on, this is how. This is how we can keep uh, going together. So the, 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 the first bit I want to focus on, not necessarily, you know, primarily, is that first verse when it says, verse 12, uh, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence continue. I just wanted to say that sometimes church leaders are very overrated, myself included. You don't always need a church leader to keep going. Did you know that? There have been so many times in church history where church leaders have been, preachers have been taken out. In fact, the, the, the group of friends that we were with yesterday, there's this one couple that have gone on this very odd journey, but the other three couples that we are still on fire for Jesus, and they were telling me about a friend of theirs, and you may know him, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he was a missionary out in Niger, and he was captured by... Uh, um, uh, some of the guys from Niger and held captive for six years and he was released a few months ago. It was in the news. I will, f- I will send it a link to it in the, in the next email update. But, and then he just said he kept his faith for six years of imprisonment. But it wasn't easy and he was literally chained the whole time. And he now has a struggle with people, with men with beards. You see that? But he kept his faith. He kept... Is this, does it sound really tinny, or is it my hearing? Is it... Dean, do you want me to go to a handheld? Is it, would that be easier? Would that be better if I did that? It's better now. Okay. All right, okay. Yeah. It's when I move around. Oh, oh my... Yeah. Just bear with me. Bear with me. Everyone breathes aside. Why didn't you tell me? Just say stop, Duncan, and do that. Dean, stop it. No, no, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's my fault. I'm an idiot. Dean, to be fair, Dean keeps saying to me, I've got a tie, Mike Duncan, but you don't have a tie. I'm disappointed. That's why he, he says it to me every time. Church leaders are sometimes just taken out. And what Paul is saying here is, you don't need me. Paul is saying, I was given the gift of salvation and it's exactly the same gift of salvation that you were given. Don't rely on me for your faith. Keep going, keep pressing on. And sometimes we think, oh, I just need to have a leader that will look after me. No, you don't. Church leaders, are, you know, I hope they're really helpful, <laughs> you know, and I hope they sort of like add benefit and it's really good to have churches where we come together and where there are, but it's not essential Your faith is between you and God has done a mighty work in your soul. And you can keep going. And so this passage here is not saying, when it says work out your salvation, trust me, it's not saying this, okay, work out how you can be saved. Because it's a bit complicated. We don't really know. He's not saying, you know, try and work it out. What he's saying is this, that you have been saved Therefore, learn how to fulfill all that God is doing in you. Learn how to keep going. You've, been saved. You've started this journey of faith. Now learn how to keep 
pressing in because there will be things that will keep coming into us and will keep being a distraction and there'll be people that will say really nasty things to us or you'll have really good friends that will like ridicule your faith where once they were on fire for Jesus and trust me it's quite difficult to keep going in those situations and, and actually sometimes people like that become more cynical and he's actually embracing Hinduism and also, I don't know, I don't know what he's, but it's actually, it's more difficult. It said, keep pressing in to all that God is doing. And, and I think what Paul is just saying is this. If you give your life to Jesus, you have to be intentional. There's something, you can't just be passive in your faith. You can't give your life to Jesus and then expect that a year down the line, you're just going to be more like Jesus when you do nothing. But there's an intentionality about what we do in our faith. There's this verse in Romans, I love it, in 1 Timothy 6, sorry, forgive me, and it says this, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And it's saying every day make decisions that will honour Jesus in your life. Every day take the small steps that will just keep you going with the Lord. But I just need to let you know that this, that the Bible never asks me or you to behave in a certain way without laying a doctrinal foundation first. So it never says, okay, Michelle, I just want you to do this in your life. Do this, 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 and this, and then you'll be okay. It, it, just, it doesn't do that. Not only just does it not do it for Michelle, it doesn't do it for all of us. It says this, okay, I want you to behave like this, but this is why. This is the doctrine of it. And the doctrine that, he's, that Paul is saying here is because Paul has already started something in your life. It was, it, was, it was God that started something in your life. It wasn't your initiative. God has started something in your life. You, your, my natural default position is to be hostile to God. My natural default position is to be dead to God. I can't, I, you know, and dead people can't do an awful lot. They're pretty stuck. They're, they're, you know, you, you can't. You just, right. Nah, nothing. They're dead. And, and spiritually, I, I was completely dead. But it, what happened was this, that God came and like, worked on me. And God came and breathed life into me. It is God who is working. It's the Holy Spirit who arrested me and pulled me up. And um, why are you here this morning? Can I, uh, can I pick on somebody? Everybody's looking down now. Why are you here? Okay, let's put it another way. What, if you weren't at church here this morning, what would you be doing? Jerry, what would, if you weren't at church, what would you be doing? Mill Hill Broadway, having a coffee, doing a bit of DIY, maybe. Yeah. Golf. Yeah, I'd be playing golf, Jake. Yeah, I'd be playing, yeah. What would anyone else be doing? It's a genuine question. Andy, what would you be doing if you weren't here on a Sunday morning? Read at home, reading a book, yeah. Leona. What would you be doing? Sleeping. I'd probably just be waking up. Waking up? Waking up. So, and you'd be sleeping, yeah. 
Yeah, if you were Jill, you'd just be fast asleep. I don't know, you could be out walking the dog. Why are you here? Why aren't we at home chopping potatoes to have a roast dinner? Why? All the time, every Sunday, why? I'll tell you why. It's because God started something in your life. And sometimes you think, oh my word, why? Jesus like, did a work. He started it, and he made you want to, de to desire something different than just chopping potatoes for Sunday lunch or listening to music or reading a book. And, and sometimes you think, well, I don't know why, but he made you want to desire something completely different. He has given you life. And so what Paul is saying, look, God has started something Therefore, press on to what God has started. You don't have to. You know, and I'm sure we all know people who have started, but they actually, other things, you don't have to. But what Paul is saying, no, press on with what God has started. He's got something glorious for you. Press on. And so you think, well, is it, I don't know. It, it seems like, well, just Duncan, tell me, is it God who started it or is it me? Do I have to carry it? Which one is it? It's a contradiction. Well, it's not a contradiction because Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, that God persuades our will and gives us holy desires. God, God planted something in my life when I was a teenager. He planted it. And now I think, oh, my, I, want to, I want to nurture this thing. And it's, sometimes it's not, it's not easy. There are other things that press in. But I want to nurture what God planted in. I did not plant it because I was dead. He planted it. And I want to nurture something within me. It was really funny. Um, when we had the encounter night on Thursday night, which, by the way, I, I just utterly loved. I just loved it. I loved that sense of just worshipping Jesus with little agenda. And then two people came up, uh, Joe and Bernice, and they came and stood at the front and they said, I didn't really want to come tonight. But, but something made me just want to be here. And so it was difficult, but I came. Uh, and all I'm saying is that that decision there encapsulates what this passage is about. That God put something in you, and actually we then, and actually what Joe and Benny said, what, so what I did was I changed my plan and thought, oh, well, well, I'll be there. But that's the story of our lives. God starts something. Well, what are we going to do with what God starts in our lives? Um, Woody Allen is not a, in any way somebody to emulate, to copy... His life was chaotic, and he's not a good role model, but he did say one thing that was really interesting. He said, 80% of life is just turning up. <laughs> and you know what? There's, a, there's an element of it that is true, that sometimes all I've got to do, I, I just have to put myself in the right place. And sometimes that's coming to church, that's sometimes going and speaking to people. Sometimes when we feel that God is saying to us to do something, sometimes it's just doing that. Sometimes for me, that, all that means is 
putting myself in the right place is putting the kettle on, putting the coffee in the pot, putting it there and going sitting somewhere where I know I won't be overheard. 80%, I just got to be in the right place with my Bible. So it's just really sometimes little decisions like that. But that is what these verses are talking about. God starts something. And we need to make decisions. Are you aware of God working in your life right now? Are you aware that, that God is speaking into your life? That, that's, the, that, that's the test of what it means to be a Christian. Let me just see where I've got to. I've skipped over a lot of things. There's a few things that I think that we can do to continue. There's a few things that we can, just really practical things that we can do, like this afternoon and tomorrow morning, just to keep going with God. And the first one is this, to submit everything of your life to, to Christ. You know, it was really interesting, all the things that, like Michelle and Jebson were sharing, and Jerry came up, and all these things. It's just like, submit your life, just make the decision now that you will submit your life to Christ. Be obedient in the same way that Jesus was obedient to what he'd asked him to do. How can I make God's will my will? How can I honour God in everything that I'm doing? How can I have like a, an evening with some friends that sometimes I find quite tricky and in everything I do, not compromise, but keep honouring Jesus? How can I do that? How, like this afternoon, I've got a big rugby club do with all of my rugby club friends. Ten years of playing like rugby with these guys. And we're going to do some presentation. How can, I do, how can I be amongst all of those people there and just keep shining brightly for Jesus? That's what, that's what I want to do. But I, the only way I can do that is by submitting everything to Jesus. The second thing is just to run away from anything that compromises my trust in Jesus. Run away from anything that it actually will take me away. I'll run away from anything. I'll run away from anything on your phone, in your attitudes, in the way that you talk. And run away from anything that will cause you to go away from the Lord. Keep reading your Bible. Becca, you did Psalm 119 with the young people, didn't you, today? It's a memory verse that some old American missionary sort of like bullied me into learning years and years ago. He wouldn't talk to me unless I learnt these memory verses. And I used to sort of like really despise him because he used to really, well, it was just awful. He used to bully us. <laughs> but he was an amazing, he made us learn these memory verses. And wait, one of the memory verses, well, Psalm 119, Psalm 119 verses 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart. Some might not sin against you. We're just, you know, it's not, really, it's not difficult, but we do have to just keep reading the Bible and not just reading it, sort of like just reading it, but reading it so they think, Jesus, what do you want to say to me through it? Please come and say something to me. Did you know that these, is this mine or yours? Did you know that these are designed to be addictive? Did you know that? They are totally designed to be addictive. They are totally designed to get you on them more and more and more and more. The way that they little, the way that they ping, the way that you get like 
like feedback, the way that people talk to you, the way that videos are like, uh, they're designed, that's what they want you to do. They want you to be on it more and more. And yes, they were sitting there for dinner. I think, why have I got my, why have I got a computer sitting next to me as I'm eating? It's just nonsense. Why? Because I, I just feel, who feels nervous if they go out of the house without their phone? Redicted. How much time do we waste on our phones? I'm not, I'm not just having a go at it because, you know, I, but, but I just want to be, I do want to be sort of like quite real because this first, these verses are saying, look, keep going and actually we need, to be, we need to understand what can sometimes take us away. And sometimes I think that phone can take me away from Jesus. It can. I just fill my life with nonsense, doom scrolling. And then you come away and you're thinking, okay, you know, without being too coarse, who feels nervous about going to the bathroom without their phone? What am I going to do? <laughs> Can't just sit there. You're addicted to it. No, but God is saying, no, I want you to make these small steps every day where you can trust me. Every day. Read the Bible. Allow the pattern of the Bible to fit over your life. Learn how to pray. Three days of prayer and fasting. It's amazing just Jefferson talking about fasting. I, I think we've now got into this pattern where we do three days of prayer and fasting every time. I just, I'd encourage us to get in, do it more and more. every time we do it, sign up and engage with it and fast. Fast food. I mean, you know, don't eat. Yeah, don't eat McDonald's. I'm not saying it's just like, don't eat for a bit. So, like, and I don't need, you, you might have to go into it, but I think because I've been doing it for a while now, I look forward to having supper on a Monday night and then not eating again until Thursday night. Is it difficult? Actually, it gets less and less difficult. And I was talking, actually, on Friday night, I was talking to some of the guys uh, I was playing rugby with. We, we trained, and then he said, Oh, Duncan, you're looking quite thin. And I thought, Right, I'm just going to tell you. It's going to be fasting for three days. And he said, all oh, right, okay, what, what, do you do, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I had supper on Monday night, and then I said, what? And, and I just said, look, I just need to let you know, I felt so sharp during that time. Did I feel sluggish? No. Did, was I able to pray with clarity? Yes, I was able to pray with more clarity than I think I've ever prayed before. And I just think, oh, no, look, there are some things that we can what, take, what, do whatever it takes to keep going, to press in with the Lord. Okay, let's move on, because otherwise we'll be there forever. Next few verses. Shine like stars in the sky as you firmly hold on to the word of life. There's a new Radio 4 program that is starting by Kirsty Walk. I don't know if anyone's heard it. It's called Younger Self. And it is... Um, Basically, it takes all these celebrities and they say, okay, what would you say to your teenage self? With all, if, you, if you knew everything that you know now, what would you go back and tell your teenage self? And it's interesting what people, I'm not quite looking forward to it, I had a little preview, but it's, it, what would you go back? Just as, would I, does anybody want to suggest anything? What would you tell, if, if all you know what you, if you knew what you know now, if you knew that as a teenager, what would you tell your teenage self? Yeah? 
Listen to your mum. There you go. <laughs> That's what Helen's saying. Listen to your mum. small decisions taken wisely. Anybody else? I would say read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Just as telling your teenage self, read the Bible. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Tell your teenage self, there's a Heavenly Father that loves you beyond what you will ever know. Do you know what I, I would have told myself? I would have said, Duncan, don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid. I so wanted to fit in. I so wanted people to like me. And I, there were these things, there were these truths that were burning within me. And I thought, I know this is true. But I, I compromised so often because I didn't want to be different. And then... The funny thing is that the people that were most influential in my life were other teenage boys that were totally prepared to be different and stand out. Two teenage lads in particular, they were funny, they were creative, they were sporting, but they were totally in love with Jesus and unashamed of it. And I think I wished I'd been a little bit more like that. But I think these verses here, they're saying, be prepared to be different. Be unashamed to be a follower of Jesus. It says this, you will shine like stars in the sky. Did anyone see the moon this week? Uh, that's, that's a harvest moon. It was massive! <laughs> I went out onto a field, and you think, oh my word, this moon is enormous. But the sky seemed really black around, and then there was this, this moon, this harvest moon, phenomenal. Has anyone ever been camping when there aren't lots of lights around, or somewhere where there isn't a lot of light pollution, and you sit there, and you look up, and you're thinking, oh my word. You know, and I think maybe in some other countries, you look up and you think, this is just go on to the next one, can you, Simon? In this darkness, and you suddenly see these stars like shining out of the gate. That is spectacular. Well, that is what Paul is saying. Paul is essentially saying, be unafraid to be different and to shine like stars. We know that, you know the story when, when Moses went up the mount, mountain. And then he was in the presence of he was in the presence of God, and he came back and his he'd been so much in the presence. His face was just like shining, and he, like people said, "What is Moses?" <laughs> like there was something about it. There's just this radiance of God about him, and he was different. And God is calling us to be different. God is calling you in your workplace to be different. People in, in my immediate family, and they're, they're struggling with the culture at work. And there's just people sort of like, just 
taking chunks out of each other at workplace. All of that is difficult. But God is saying to you, no, I want to anoint you to be different at work. Be different in how we speak. Be different in the words that we use. Be different in how we are honest, scrupulously honest in everything. Be different in our attitudes to work. Be different in our relationships. Be different in our marriages. I just want to encourage us to be different. Can you, as we finish, and in a moment we're going to just pray. These guys are going to come back and lead us. And to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and fill us afresh. That it wouldn't be us just trying to be different. But it would be God that would just shine out from us. But before we do that, can you just think of one person that has been really instrumental in you coming to faith and in helping you in your faith. Yeah, just for one moment, think of that person. Think of them, what they did, how they spoke. I'm not a mind reader, but I suspect they were different. I suspect they lived their lives differently. And we're going to pray for God's anointing to come on us that we could live our lives differently, that we would shine like stars in an unbelieving world and live our lives differently. Uh, I think I've mentioned Malcolm uh, before. Malcolm uh, is at the church in Upminster, and he, he was a teacher. He's now retired. But he's, he's been an elder in a number of different churches, he gave his life uh, to Jesus when he was about 30. Malcolm gave his life when he was a teacher, when he was 30, because of one small girl in his class. And that one small girl in his class lived differently. It was probably uh, 40 years ago. But this one girl would be the one girl that would always help. There was another girl that was always struggling. Always struggling. And this one girl would always go and sit next to her and always help her. <laughs> and then one day, this girl, this, um, this girl that lived her life differently was ill. So it was slightly different. Malcolm went round to see the family and to say, oh, how are you? And while Malcolm was there, he said to the dad... Did you know that your daughter is amazing? She just lives her life differently. And then the dad said, well, let me tell you why. <laughs> it's because my daughter has given her life to Jesus. And she just wants to live for him. And in this family, we love Jesus. And do you know what Malcolm did? He said, I want that. <laughs> I, I want that. I want to be that type of person. And then they prayed for Malcolm, and he gave his life to Christ. His life was changed. There's an anointing that God is putting on us just to be different, to be unashamedly different from other people. Can I ask you just to stand with me? Hastings, you're right, sir. Yeah. <clears throat>
just for a moment, I want to allow the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. And just to speak into areas of compromise that we've allowed into our lives. Where, where actually we've allowed ourselves to become like everybody else. Rather than different because of what Jesus is doing. So Holy Spirit, would you just come and pinpoint in my life. In our, in our lives where we've compromised where you've called us to shine like stars but we've just become a little bit jaded and Holy Spirit as you've pinpointed things in our lives we pray that we would confess our sin knowing that you are faithful and just and forgive us Fill us afresh, Lord. Jesus, we ask, would you send your, your Holy Spirit to come and fill us now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. empower us. I thank you that you started it. Our journey of faith was not our good idea but your plan of salvation for creation. It's your initiative. You made the first move. We're just responding to you. I pray Holy Spirit come and fall on us in power. We pray O Lord. Lord, that when we feel defeated, when we feel beaten down, that Holy Spirit, you would come and fill us again, that you would empower us from on high. Oh God, come and and fill us, renew us, rejuvenate us. Come and do a mighty work in our lives. Lord, you know how, how frail and weak, oh God, we are. But Lord, you come with extraordinary power. You know what it is to be human. Your plan is that you would come and, Lord, that same spirit that raised you from the dead, Lord Jesus, now is at work within us. And we thank you for it. We celebrate it. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus, that you would be glorified, that your name would be lifted on high, that everything that we do this afternoon, this evening, throughout the coming week, Lord Jesus, for the rest of the years of our lives, that we would glorify you, O Lord that we would delight in you above anything else, oh God. We say, come Lord, come Lord Jesus.